Welcome back to How I Got Backstage. Cassie, it has been a while. It has been a long while. Like it's probably been about a year, to be honest. Yeah, it's been it's been a journey. And I think we've wanted to do this, but it was kind of hard to technically figure it out. One, you know, when you move back to Nashville and then two, just like COVID and not being able to have people in the room with you while doing a podcast. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of had like this, like one-stop shop in LA and we showed up and they edited it and they did the whole thing, which sounds great, but I'm not going to fly to LA (laughs) once a week to do a podcast. So it has been challenging. And, you know, we put out a second season that was filmed and recorded in Nashville and in LA. Um, And let me tell you, I about pulled my hair out with the number of issues we had with setting up kind of our own situation and it was just very overwhelming but now we have done a lot of research we brought in some people that know uh, a lot about this we've actually I think also learned a lot by doing other people's podcasts and seeing what works but um we found a way to do this that is easy doesn't make us want to pull our hair out we have a new editor Hannah Humphreys who is freaking amazing, who is editing um, our new show, Boy Band Top Tens on Spotify. And I just thought it was so easy to work with her on that, that this is the time to do this. Absolutely. No, I, and this is just so much easier. And I think a lot of people who do podcasts had to figure out, okay, how do I do this? Not in like the perfect studio setup that I've been doing it. in. and I think a lot of people, you know, in the world in general have defaulted to zoom to solve a lot of socializing and meeting problems, but that's also become a solution for a lot of different podcasts as well. Yeah, totally. So, and then also I have five or six episodes that were recorded fall and winter of last year. And they've just been kind of sitting there because essentially that was the beginning of season three. And I started recording again last January. And then by the time February came around, you know, it was just busy. And then all of a sudden we're in lockdown. And so it just kind of got away from us. And it's so funny because actually some of these episodes that are going to come out during the season, they were recorded um, about a year ago, but they are some of the best episodes we've done yet and I just cannot let them sit there and die like the world has to hear these episodes and I'm so excited about them so those will be coming up but we wanted to put this out first to like I don't know tell you what's up (laughs) kind of check in you know not just what happened to you guys like we're here we're doing the thing this has actually probably been one of the most busiest years of our lives but luckily we haven't had to like At least for me, I haven't had to be on planes all year. And that has really helped my anxiety. (laughs) No, I I mean, this year has been super productive, I think, for us as a company. And I think us personally as well. Mm -hmm. It's when you don't have to travel both like by plane, but also like just like transit, like car. Or for me, I'm also like sometimes on birds or trains because I like to take weird transportation and not just be in a car all the time. But when you eliminate that from your life, you end up with a lot more time than you're used to. And you kind of have to finally do all the things on your to-do list that you put off. So uh, there was a lot of those things that I think I personally in our company finally got to get to and get into that we always, you know, we're like, oh, we don't have to do it now. It's not that urgent. But we find, you know, when you have more time, you're able to get through everything and you're like, okay, I really don't have any excuse not to do this thing anymore. 
so that's where we got with a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm happy that we finally got to a lot of that stuff at the bottom of the list. It feels good to have it out of your mind and you, it, it just makes you feel good about yourself and your team. And you know that you, you can do those things that are really hard if you make yourself and you're kind of forced into a corner and have to do them. Yeah. And so let's touch on a few of those things that, that we've kind of gotten to do as a company or individually this year. Like what are the, some of the things you did individually this year that you feel like have improved and enhanced your life? A couple things. Uh, I, I would just say spending more time being active and by being active, I don't mean like I didn't like take up kickboxing or anything. I'm not, I'm not quite to that point yet, but just spending more time walking and my, my steps this year are much higher on an average than, than last year. And I really figured out how to incorporate like walking into my like daily work schedule. And I sort of look at my calendar and I'm like, okay, these are calls I have to make or calls that I have to be on. I don't talk a lot on this call, but I need to listen. Like it's a perfect time for me to go walk and just really being more conscious about like, how do I get outside and move more and see more. And that that's been really great for me. And something else that I, I learned, you know, more about, and I've been working with this company called Bleaker, and I learned more about myself and how I process information. And, and I learned that I am like, if I want to trigger focus, that I need to have a sort of a visual contact point and that I kind of lose focus if something's just audio. So when I'm actually on a phone call, walking helps me intake the information better because I'm doing something and I have things to look at. And the, those things that for me to look at can't be words or Instagram because the visual will overtake the audio for me. So just kind of like spend, you know, being able to spend more time learning about myself and, and develop habits and systems that help me process information better and also keep my body moving at the same time. I thought was, you know, a really, really great thing. I feel like I finally like my room is kind of a mess right now, but I feel like I finally like cleaned everything. And I'm not, I, I'm one of those people, like the, the, the common areas of the house I live in will always be clean or respectful and organized, but I always have a room in the house that is a mess. And every, anybody that's lived with me will know, like, I wasn't like, I didn't destroy the living room but my room was always destroyed. And I think yeah, that so I literally like when we lived together in college, it's like she didn't exist outside of her room, but in her room, there was literally a car bumper that sat on the floor for a year. And the only decor in her room was a local donut shops bag pinned to the wall. Yes. And that's, and that's kind of, I didn't really change that much since then. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, um, you know, I made a, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, like I have to like clean my room and then I have to like organize it and make it look good. So I think that that was another thing. And then also really like tackling sort of my um, eating habits and I'm not perfect by any means, but I think really it takes a lot of focus to change a habit and to be able to sit down and be like, okay, what am I actually eating every day? Why do I eat it? How do I change that? And I, you know, I'm still on that journey. I think that's going to be probably the hardest one. That's probably why it was the last one on my list, but I'm still working through that and figuring out how do I eat healthier, but not feel like tortured in the process. And that's, um, 
you know, that's another thing that I've really been able to, you know, dig into personally. And I, you know, I'm still working on it, but it's, uh, it's definitely been a, you know, a challenge for me. And then the other things I've learned how to do is I've learned how to, I've gotten better at using makeup because I couldn't have somebody come over and do it for me anymore. So I, I, you know, that's something that I was like, oh, I can just have somebody else do it. Or I, you know, I just was like, I didn't learn as a kid. I'm not good at makeup. I, you know, I just had that like belief in my head. And then when I wanted to like create content or look good on camera. I, and I did, I couldn't have somebody come over and do it. I was like, okay, like I, I have to, you know, I can't just say I'm not going to do it because I'm not good at it. I have to learn how to get better at it. So I, I'm not perfect by any means, but I think I've definitely like progressed. And I, a lot of people ask me like, oh, who, you know, who did your makeup or how did you do it? And, and you know, that, that always feels good because I'm like, okay, like I, I learned how to do this a little bit better. And the last thing that was super, um, a big project for me this year was posting more content of myself and just for myself. And, you know, that's, that was, I think that was really psychologically hard because we do it for other people all the time. We teach them, you know, how to, you know, post content, best practices and how to like keep on track and like psychologically handle it. But to do that for myself was way harder than I thought it would be. And not just from like a technical standpoint, but like psychologically having to prioritize my content the same way I prioritize my clients was, it was a, it was a battle in my head and it still is, but I'm glad that I'm doing it. I think I'm getting better at it. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say they were inspired to post more things themselves now and share more about their lives and feel more comfortable. And that felt really good. And one of the reasons I, I decided I wanted to start posting more was one day I was on Instagram and I'm like, I want to follow more like badass, like business women on Instagram. And I started looking around and I realized that there's a lot of them there, but most of them aren't like creating content to post. Not like how like Gary V or, you know, Damon from Shark Tank or whoever is posting it. Like they're not, they're not sharing content the same way. And I was like, if I'm going to complain about not having more people to follow and I'm not creating it, like that's, that's not fair. So I'm going to be, I'm going to play my little part in the solution by creating content myself. And I think that's made other people like either start doing it or start thinking about doing it. And, and that feels good. And I hope that more women continue to create content. That's not just posting about, you know, posting a picture of themselves, but like posting what they think, sharing their stories sharing their lessons they've learned along the way and just more inspirational type content. I know that there's a lot of women out there in business that have great things to say. I just think that they don't feel like people want to hear them or that they just don't feel like that they're worthy of posting it or that people care, but people do care and people want to see it. And I think that anybody who posts something like that for the first time will be pleasantly surprised by the reaction they get from it. That's a lot, Cassie. I think that's I, the longest you've ever talked on this podcast at one in one. <laughs> I, I I just realized how much stuff like I got into this year, like the heavy stuff that I've always wanted to do but avoided. So it's, yeah. it's the end of the year now, and we've had a lot of time. So we have. I'm grateful for the time. time. Yeah, I feel like I don't have as good of things to add, and I shouldn't. Like I have nothing to say. <laughs> I feel like a failure now. No, I've had a great year. I I don't know. I've just like I've also gotten outside a lot more. Like just walking in my neighborhood, shopping in my neighborhood, like getting coffee in my neighborhood. Like I literally, I don't think I walked in Hillsborough village twice in the two years I lived here until this year. And now I do it like five times a week, which is nice. And like, it's, you know, my big thing was I had a lot of weight gain over the past few years 
And I refused to let myself, you know, completely go downhill during, during this time. And so I was having a lot of back pain probably in like March and April. And I remember I was like, just start walking, just start walking. And so I, when I started walking, I could probably go about a fourth of a mile. And then I was in like really bad pain. I remember like I'd finish like a mile, but I'd come back and I would just like, I would go to take a shower and I could barely bend down to like take my pants off. Honestly, like it was so much pain. Now I've done two five K's. I've actually started jogging a little bit, which my therapist had me do. And when she first told me like, I needed to jog from one mailbox to the next, I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would have the same reaction. I hate jogging. I hate hate it. it. And so like, I don't know why, like, this is just me being such an empath, but the walk, like the path I go on, I go past the Ronald McDonald house in Nashville, which is, if you don't know what it is, it's like McDonald's charities. They actually house, and it's located very close to the children's hospital. They house families who are in town because their children are in the hospital long-term and they give them free housing. So for some reason, like I had like not wanted to do this, like run, jog, whatever. I mean, I would never use the term run. I cannot run. But like one day I passed the Ronald McDonald house and I was like, if these families can get through this hard time, I can jog from a mailbox to the next one. So that's what I did. Like I, I jogged from the Ronald McDonald house to like, to, oh like God. a block. And I was like, that was like three mailboxes. And I was really excited about that but not something I think I'm going to build upon, but I have luckily like weight loss aside, that wasn't like really the goal. It was just like being active enough to like not be in pain, you know? And like, look, I'm getting older. I'm turning 39 next week. Like I have to start thinking about this stuff. So that's been a big thing. And then beyond that, I actually had Ben, my nephew do a 5k with me. And then on Christmas Eve, my entire family is doing a 5k together. We're dressing like elves. And I'm very excited about I it. I can't, is, is Craig dressing? Oh, like Craig's elf? doing it. Like okay. I got these elf uh, sweatshirts made on Etsy and it has like an elf hat and then it has text and it has the elf feet. And so like, he's grandpa elf, grandma elf, mom elf, dad elf, I'm auntie elf. And then Ben is the head elf. Okay, great. And I'm just really excited about it. Um, And so that has been fun. I will say I definitely was inspired by my best friend, Jessica, who is so funny. Like we're, we're literally like the same person and we we pretty much just sit on the phone and talk about Disney and like bad food. I feel like that's like what we've done for literally 25 years. And then she's like become a marathon runner. And I think it's freaking hilarious because it's so like not in her character, but like this woman runs a marathons now. And I'm like, I can do a 5k. I can do this. And by the way, I'm walking that 5k. I ain't running. I ain't ever running. I only run when I'm late for a boy band concert. This is true. And that's it. I've seen it. That's it. You know? Oh my God. One time Cassie, (laughs) we were in the UK. It was the first time we went there to see McFly and we were traveling from, London to Glasgow and it was like we were going to literally our first McFly show of all time and we decided to backpack which like terrible idea wasn't really backpacking we just had backpacks instead of suitcases which was kind of weird but like we were staying in decent hotels but anyways um I had on this giant backpack and <laughs> Cassie thought we were going to be late to like get on this next train or we were going to miss the McFly show I ran for myself, probably the fastest I'd ever run with this giant backpack on. I had to climb over, like we were on one side of the train track and we had to be on the other side. So we had to like climb upstairs, go over a bridge and get down. Well, I guess like I started running and panicking and then like partway through that, Cassie realized we actually weren't going to miss the train. And so it's just me running and no one else running and everyone watching me run. And that was the situation. And I'm still kind of (laughs) mad about it to this day, but. It was amazing. 
the fact that Cassie made me run and I did not have, she was like, oh, wait, oh, wait, it's fine. It, oh, no, let's it let was, the girl run with the backpack. It was, it wasn't me that made you run. It was McFly. Yeah, but you didn't make me stop running when there was no need. Yeah, not yeah. my problem. Um, so anyways, outside of running, um, I think one of my favorite things that we've gotten to do this year is Cassie and I are both very big believers in therapy and mental health. And something we've actually done is we've actually started like business coaching type therapy together, which yes. has actually been very fun. So we do that every other week and it's great. Cause it like, it helps us set ourselves up for not just our own personal goals, but goals for the company. And, you know, we're talking a lot about going into 2021. We've done a lot of structuring on training with our staff and motivation with our staff. And I just feel really good. I feel like this year we've kind of reached a lot of goals on our relationship with our staff, but also like the staff's integration into like the company that we've wanted to for so long and just haven't had time to do. Yeah. And I, and you know, we, um, you know, we have these great monthly updates now on zoom where we all, where we talk and, you know, get everyone together. And then we also do a weekly, like mini podcast mm-hmm. that's just that we it's about anywhere from like four to eight minutes that we send out every week with just updates that are going on with the company and different shout outs that we have for great things that happen with our clients and stuff staff did that week. And I totally stole that idea from Bleeker, by the way, shout out to Bleeker. But I think that's, you know, just actually like prioritizing that stuff. And it's been nice to prioritize that stuff. And, And I think sometimes that stuff would get pushed down on the list because it'd be like, oh no, we should be servicing a client with that time instead of servicing our staff and our company. And I think we sort of have a, had a mentality shift where we realized that like making the eight minute podcast to send out to our staff is just as important as doing something for a client as well. And I think, you know, that again, I think that's sort of leaning into the whole, like prioritizing yourself and self-care and your company self-care a bit more has been a big shift for us this year. And I think those are two things that we've been wanting to do and really prioritize making sure that they get done. And I'm really happy that we did that. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I also like, don't want to say all this stuff where we're like in a good mood and a good place. We've done all these things and make people feel like, Oh, like what the heck we've all, you know, people have been suffering and you've had this great year. We've had a, you know, a good year because we've made it it a good year. Um, We've also, we've also had a lot of tough times this year. Um, We've had like, you know, some come to Jesus. Do we throw in the towel moments this year? Like it has been rough. We just have, you know, luckily, like it's kind of that combination of like things are rough, but I also kind of have more time and it's given us more time to deal with those things. And I think like in the end, like kind of turn it around and enhance our company as opposed to, to failing, which could have very easily happened to be honest. So I kind of want to jump in now and talk about kind of like the situation in March when things started to kind of shut down and like how we were talking. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember, I remember like where I was driving when I said this, but I heard that Live Nation had canceled shows for a certain period of time. And this was just in March. And this was even before I think we were like actually not in office or shutting down. And I was like, oh my gosh, Cassie, like, should we be worried? And I remember you were like, no, it's fine. Like, it's going to be fine. And I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But at the same time, like all of a sudden it just all hit so quick. Yeah. And, 
And it was so scary because like, of course we think it's going to be fine. And you just don't know the severity of this situation because you've never lived through it. I mean, nobody has ever lived through this, you know, like it hasn't happened since before most people on this earth were alive. And so I think the scariest part was, I remember the week before we went out of office, we had a lot of conversations and, you know, we had some staff calling and saying, we think we should work at home. And like, I'm a huge advocate of teamwork and being in an office. I think that it's an important part of, of our job and working together and doing well for our clients. But of course, like as a company, we, we do have a lot of flexibility, but you know, I was very reluctant to shut down. And then I had heard that Warner Brothers Nashville was shutting down for a week to clean. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with that idea. So let's shut down for a week to clean. Oh my gosh. I think that was on a, on a Thursday by Friday. It was like, we need to shut down. Like we, we need to not be in office. And it was just so quick. And I remember too, like at the beginning of this, like, you know, you know, you're hearing it's going to be two weeks. And I remember like the fourth or fifth day of two weeks. I'm like, this is the longest 14 days of my life. Like I never thought I would get through those two weeks. And now I've adapted to this being the norm. And I just, I can't believe how, how long those first two weeks felt. But, you know, I think the scariest part was that all happened kind of like on a Friday, the weekend goes by that Monday was when the whole country kind of had that moment of like shutting down or whatnot. And that was probably one of the scariest days in CrowdSurf history, because as soon as that happened, people started calling us and leaving our company as clients. And I think, you know, it wasn't because they were having a direct hit at their finances right then, but I think there was just this total fear sweeping the country and and the world that you just didn't know what the future held. So if you have money, you better hold on to it. And so we lost a lot of money, like upcoming, you know, income for that month that we budgeted for in that first day. And it was terrifying. It was really because we scary. had to start wondering, like, what do we do? Do we lay people off? Do we, you know, and that that was a really scary first week. Yeah, and, and I just remember. I think what was scary is how fast the seriousness progressed. And I, I was sort of in a weird situation because the month before I'd been on tour, so I'd literally been on like to every city in the country. And we got back. The final date was in Los Angeles on March sixth. And you could, and like, while we were on tour, you're kind of starting to hear inklings. Cause we went through like the last dates of the tour, Seattle, San Francisco, then LA. And like, I feel like those were the cities that popped first. So you were kind of, and you started to, and we were flying between those cities and you started to kind of see flights getting empty, airports getting empty. Like at that point, you're kind of like, you know, I'm almost was kind of like, oh, p- maybe people are overreacting a little bit. Like, I, you know, I didn't, you know, I was kind of like, whatever, I'm still fine to fly. And it's, I love that it's not crowded was kind of like my mentality at that point. And then my sister came to visit the day, like the tour ended. And then I w- remember we went to Six Flags the next week and like, nobody was there. And I loved it. It was great because nobody was there. <laughs> um, and it was, it was, you know, I got to ride like every roller coaster in like four hours. It was awesome. But I would say, you know, kind of coming into like, I remember that Friday, um, me and some of the staff went to Soho House in Malibu and like it was super crowded because everyone knew everything was shutting down and it was kind of like the last hurrah. And I remember like kind of between that morning and that afternoon, like my view shifting dramatically from like, oh, we're not going to close the office. Like, you know, we'll let people stay home if they want to, but this is, you know, this is kind of dramatic to like, oh, this is happening and like we are gonna have to shut down and 
that's gonna and like we, I remember we were gonna go speak at South by Southwest the next week. Yeah, we that we was had, a huge part of it. Yeah, I remember, we had, yeah, leading up to South by Southwest is my favorite time of year. It's a time of year, yes. Uh, it's like I call it music industry spring break. I love yes. South by Southwest, and I I was ready to party. I had ordered all my clothes for the week. Like I was down and ready to go. But then there was also part of me that's like, I kind of don't want to go because I'm freaked out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And it was just like this moment. And I, I, I also remember we were in the office when we were still in the office. It was probably like, you know, the beginning mid of, of, a, of a March. And I remember sitting in my office and screaming to the staff, coronavirus is now in Franklin, which is like a city in Tennessee. And it was like the first, I believe, confirmed case in the state of Tennessee. And so all of a sudden that made it real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I remember it getting canceled and like, we were excited about the thing, you know, about the event that we we're putting on and speaking at. So that, you know, that made it feel kind of real. And then, and then you sort of started seeing like, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all the like big tech companies pool their staff as well. And, and um, it just, it just all happened so fast. It went from like, is this like really that serious to like stay at home? And when people, when we, when we saw tours getting canceled, we're like, we get paid from a lot of our clients pay us from the money they make touring. So that was, we knew that we would probably see people pause, or, you know, or, and I would say most people like paused versus like firing us. They're like, can yeah, we pause yeah. until we tour but again? It was kind of like, we're going to stop it was, until it was, we know what's going on. And obviously we still yeah. don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of those, you know, clients are still on pause and, you know, I don't know if they'll ever come back, but it, it you know, that was really scary. And we had to, you know, make some, changes in terms of you know how we were allocating staff time and who was working on what and um, we actually ended up getting rid of one of our offices just to save money and keep staff on staff yeah and it would yeah it, it, that was uh you know that was fortunate timing that we were able to do that because we were already kind of looking at consolidating offices anyway and then when that happened we we're like we're definitely not coming back to this yeah. office so yeah. it so that, it, you know, and the timing was good there, but you know, that, that was really hard. And, and I think just, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people and I think just like not being able to like plan stuff for the future. I'm, I'm a person that really thrives off of like having a vacation to look forward to or looking forward to, you know, going to visit my family or, you know, going to this pool in, in Orange County this weekend or whatever it is and not having like stuff to look forward to and not know and not being able to know when you're going to be able to look forward to it again, I think has been something that's been, I know really hard for me and a lot of other people that I've talked to. Yeah. So I want to talk about how, how we have pivoted as a company and found, you know, different ways to make money, to make our clients money. And again, kind of survive during this year. Yeah. I would say, you know, something that I never thought I would see the light of day in terms of being a big profitable thing, but is now it is um, people doing digital concerts. We're seeing clients pull on six figures and some even, you know, seven figure, you know, total gross sales on these concerts and selling digital meet and greets. Uh, you know, I think like looped and other platforms like that have really had a great opportunity to shine and grow this year and show that like this concept, you know, can work. So I think that's something that a lot of our clients have done and we've been, you know, helping them market and plan these sort of events to help put some more money back in their pockets. I think that's one thing that I've been, you know, enjoying watching and 
grateful that, that they're able that artists are able to you know make money in in some way because it's it's really hard on artists right now out there and so something else and i am extremely grateful for this is luckily we were able to secure a ppp loan which helped us stay in business because quite frankly if we didn't have that i don't know if we would have gone out of business but i i definitely would have laid off a a, a chunk of our staff. And, um, I remember actually the first time that I like went out during the pandemic and I looked like a crazy person. I had to go to target and this is why, because I had to fill out all of the paperwork for this, this loan process. And it took me a good full work day to do. It was, it was a lot, but I had to print the stuff to sign it and fax it and all that fun stuff. And my printer is at the office. I don't have a printer in my home. So I was like, there's literally like no way I can get a printer without going to Target because there was no way to like get one delivered in time to like process this loan when they went, you know, when they like went live with it. So I remember like I put on like winter gloves and then over that I put on rubber gloves. I had like two masks. On. I mean, I was covered head to toe and it was like not cool out at the time and went to Target and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like running in Target, running out like, and I'm like thanking all the workers at Target for working. And like, it's funny because like I go to Target now and I'm not as panicked and crazy, but I remember that day I was terrified to go in public. And so I went in there, I got a printer. It's great, you know, having a printer at home is, is a thing that I never knew I wanted or needed, but I love it. Like last night I was like, I'm gonna print really cute labels for my Christmas gift shipping. But I'm a printer, I couldn't do that. So the oh my printer God. has brought, brought much joy to my life, I will say that. But yeah, I, we are so grateful that we got that. I was so nervous, I remember, Again, I mean, I believe the document we had to submit after like putting all the information together for this was like a 180 page document. That's how much I had to get together within this one workday. And I submitted it and I get an immediate call from my bank. <laughs> and I'm like, oh crap. Oh, what did goodness. I do wrong? You know, and they're like, um, we're calling to congratulate you that we've had, I don't remember the number, but it was like, we've had like 50 submissions a day and you're the only one who did it hundred percent right. And it was, I think it was the highlight of my year. <laughs> I didn't know that I did that. Well, because it was and hard. I, and I think we've, it made us feel really like not smart. <laughs> so, yeah, nice it was really freaking hard. And, you know, I am, I'm going to shout out, I'm going to shout out to our, um, our business manager, Smiley Smith and Wind. I'm going to really shout out to Pinnacle Bank. Cause I'm telling you guys right now, if it wasn't for Pinnacle Bank, we would have not gotten this. Luckily, like they helped us through this. They processed their clients quickly. They had access before some of these big banks like Bank of America. Like Bank of America was our bank when we first started CrowdSurf. No way we would have gotten this with them. So like, nope. I have so much loyalty to Pinnacle Bank. I actually moved my personal banking to them because it was that big of a deal that they like held my hand through it. So any small businesses out there like in Tennessee, if you are looking for a great local bank that will hold your hand, I highly highly recommend Pinnacle Bank. Sure. But anyways, yeah, that was that was a big part of us getting through it. And we haven't been that vocal about it because to be quite honest, it, it was almost a little embarrassing to be like, oh my gosh, we need money. You know, it, it's like you, you work, we've worked for 14 years in this company and we've literally never borrowed a penny. We've had credit cards, but we've never borrowed a penny and we did it all ourselves. And I also want to say, and we've been very vocal about this, 
we didn't come from family money. We didn't come from anything. Like we did it from ourselves. It was the first time ever in 14 years we had to say, we will not survive if we don't have help. And so getting that help was amazing. It was such a blessing, but that, that was a big part of it. And I'm so glad that we got to use that money to keep to keep people employed. I'm also going to be transparent that we, there were some layoffs. They were extremely minimal, but it would have been much worse if we did not have that help. Yeah, for sure. I'm very grateful. And I, I I was really, you know, I talked to some other business owners and like everyone I know applied for a PPP loan. So I was grateful that we were all like kind of open and honest that we all wanted and, and needed it. And I, I gave them some advice on like how we handled getting ours. Cause a lot of people were struggling with like their bank not responding or, you know, what this means on that form. And, you know, I, we all kind of, you know, stuck together and, and helped each other out because, you know, everyone didn't know what either, like, I may not need it now, but I don't know if I'm going to need it in six months or not. And I know this runs out. So I'm just, I'm going to apply for it because I know that this year is going to be softer than last year. There's no way it, it won't be unless you're like Amazon or something. It's just, it's impossible. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and also I think we're at this point where we we've gotten through 2020. I feel extremely grateful that we were actually able to offer Christmas bonuses this year. That was a huge thing that I was yes. like, that was a really big goal. But going into 2021, you know, I don't know, like, is the vaccine coming? Are people going to take it? You know, there's a lot, you know, and just remember that like what we base a lot of our um, sales on are touring acts that are making the money touring and paying us to promote those, those releases that they are then touring and promoting themselves. And look, I also want to give a shout out to all of the workers in the music industry that do live touring. I mean, live touring made me and Cassie who we are. It made us, it makes us happy. Like, I think it's like our own personal drug. Gosh, I feel for all those people. You know, I know that they have not had it as easy as us. And I, you know, I want to get bands on the road sooner than ever because those people need jobs. And it's, you know, it is a horrible situation they're in. It's something that I'm sure most of the public does not think about, but in our world, we know a lot of those people and, and we're close with a lot of those people. So I just, I don't know what to say. I can't do anything about it, but feel for you guys. Yeah. We're sending positive vibes your way and hope that, I just hope that shows are happening in person sooner rather than later. One for you all, but two, just for like the happiness of the world. I, I know that I personally just miss like that being an option for entertainment and hanging out with friends and self-care and enjoying myself. And I just, I really miss live shows and I know everyone else that we know does too. I really miss the Backstreet Boys. This is the longest I think that I haven't seen them in like 10 years. I know it's so weird. It's so weird. Like I said to AJ, I was on the phone with him the other day and I was like, cause I remembered the last time I had physically been with him was at the CMA awards last year. And I was like, I haven't seen you in a year. Like, it's just, it's insane. Like I, I usually am like on a plane or whatever, or at a venue or at a show with this person. And like, I haven't seen him in a year. It's just, it's just nuts. It's awful. It's nuts. I also haven't been to LA in over a year, which is something else that I probably haven't done in 10 or 15 years. I haven't been to New York in over a year. Like it's crazy. It's, it's just very different. I did, um, I went on a, a road trip, a safe road trip with one of my best friends. And um, I, I didn't go to New York city, but I drove around New York city and it was like painful to see like from afar, like I want to be there. And I will say we, we went to Boston as part of our trip and stayed in a hotel there because we were visiting Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween, which was really cool. But when we were actually like in the city of Boston, it looks like a ghost town. 
and this was in October. It looked like a ghost town. So it's just, it's weird. It's a weird world out there. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, we just kind of wanted to share some of that, some of the challenges we, we've we've come across, some of the the good things that we've turned this year into. But I also want to dive into next kind of how we were able to give back this year. So, you know, something that I think has become a bigger priority, not just to us, but to a lot of companies and individuals this year is diversity and inclusion and everything that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and just all the protests that sort of followed that incident. And I think that it was kind of a wake up call to be more aware of what's going on in the world and also be more aware of like your own behavior and what you could be doing better. And it was kind of an opportunity for the public to have a moment where they could look at themselves at the same time everyone else was and not like feel embarrassed or like they were doing something wrong and nobody else was, but like we're all collectively doing something wrong and we all need to look at ourselves and figure out how we as individuals can do better. And we thought, and Jade and I funneled a lot of, you know, what we can do better into creating a diversity and inclusion task force within CrowdSurf. And that includes uh, several different initiatives. One of those is doing pro bono work. And so one of our uh, big projects we've been doing, uh, we've been working on there is uh, the Black Music Action Coalition, which we refer to as BMAC internally, and they refer to it uh, when they're talking to each other like that as well. So we've been doing social media marketing for them and creating assets. And that's been really insightful and just feels really good. I'm really glad that we've gotten to be a part of that initiative. And I actually got to host a panel with a lot of the founding members of um, the uh, Black Music Action Coalition, BMAC. And I feel like I, I learned so much from being a moderator and just letting them talk because it was I was kind of like playing like, uh, you know, my, my role sort of in there is like a lot of like small businesses like mine don't know how to do better. Like, how can we do better and you know how can you know how can you know i know i know that you are talking to warner and universal and all the big music companies about how they can do better but how can like individuals you know take action and you know they said a lot of that is like education being aware and another big thing they kept saying was and this was before the election was vote like that's like the number one thing you can do to help black lives matters is vote and i'd you know, I, I feel very grateful that we got to be a part of their campaign and initiative to get more people to vote because um, I think that, you know, as we saw in this election, every vote really did matter. And I'm just happy that we put some time, energy, and, and effort into, you know, being a part of getting people to vote because I think everyone doing their little part like that ended up, you know, being the difference in this election. So we also launched a pro bono initiative for Black creators. Um, and so we, we went in thinking, we're going to choose one artist to help in this program. And uh, a month later, after reading all of the submissions we got, we chose seven. <laughs> and I don't think we expected that, but it has been so much fun, to be honest. I just, I've loved working with the projects that I'm working on. I think there's like, I think that the people we chose are very thankful for our help, which, you know, makes it feel rewarding, but it's honestly just rewarding to us to be able to give back to people who 
you know, who need that help and, and don't have the funding um, to bring us on, which I mean, honestly has happened all the time in our career. We see people that we would love to help and can't, you know, afford to bring our company on. And obviously I have to pay my staff and pay for rent and insurance and all those fun things. So obviously there's a price associated with this business, but it has just been super rewarding and I'm excited to move into kind of our next chapter of that. In addition to the pro bono work, we've started doing monthly in-house programming at our company um, that is educational programming about different minorities in the entertainment industry. So I think my favorite speaker was Leslie Odom Jr., who came on and talked about his experience as a Black man in the Broadway community and the music community. We also had Henry Ong, who is a former VP at Disney and Marvel, who came on and talked about his experience as an Asian American in the entertainment industry. We had, I think it was really fun. We had a a panel about the LGBTQ plus community, which was actually hosted by three members of our staff who belong to that community. So I thought that was really cool to like touch on that, you know, it's such a, it's such a personal level and we have more coming up. So I'm really excited about that. I really enjoy those, those talks and the, that programming. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. And some of this extra time we have had has allowed us to actually plan this programming and do this pro bono work. So that has been, been a positive that has come out of the situation that is 2020. So that will continue into 2021 and into our future. And it's just great because it, you know, it gave us a time to set the groundwork for these type of, you know, situations and, and programs that we've wanted to do for so long. And I, I'm happy that we got the time to do those things this year. So looking forward, we are recording this in December. It's going to come out the first week of January. So let's talk about 2021. The first thing I'll say is I'm so tired of people talking about how much 2020 sucks. Yeah, I, I feel that because it's, I don't know. I, I think any situation, and I think this is sometimes a, a pro and a con for me, but I think there's a pro and a con to every situation. And I feel like, a you know, there's obviously a lot of terrible things that happened this year. It's, you know, especially with people getting really sick, people dying, like that, that stuff is terrible and awful. And I don't want to downplay that, but I think a large, you know, majority of people who are complaining about 2020 don't didn't have those terrible things happen to them. And they just, you know, they just enjoy looking at the downside of things and it would rather complain versus figuring out how to make the most out of a situation. I completely agree. Like the people I'm talking about are the people who I know are doing well and maybe were not even affected financially or anything by this stuff. And they just want to bitch about things. <laughs> And yeah, and I just don't like that in general. Yeah, people like, and, and I think this is a very common thing with the, with the you know, I would say people like 10 years younger than us. A lot of times people would just rather complain than address a problem or try to do, you know, pivot and do something different. And I, I just, I get really frustrated by that behavior. Like I know sometimes you need to vent and that's important. I get that. And I've talked to, you know, that's why I have a therapist. I, I, that's why you have friends that you talk to stuff about. But I think that there's a difference between like venting and moving on or, and then like wallowing in it. And there's just so much wallowing right now. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. So moving on to 2020. Now I am going to say 2020 is still like an up in the air. What is going on situation? Like there's no magical thing that's going to happen on December 31st to January 1st. That makes 2020 suck and 2021 not suck. 
<laughs> I think that's a key no. thing to remember. Like the span of this pandemic is going from, you know, in America, basically March 2020 to let's hope as quickly as possible finished, you know, um, but we're still in it. We're, we're still in it. And so look, I mean, yeah, I'm so happy we got the PPP money. I'm so happy that we were able to, I think another thing that actually kind of came from the, I guess, lack of work with some of our giant touring artists was that we kind of had to fill in the gaps and we actually were able to work with some smaller artists that we may not have normally had time to take on. So I think that was actually also a positive um, that happened this year. So that was cool too. But, um, you know, we're moving forward and we're planning the best we can, but we're kind of still in the same mode. We're kind of still trying to keep costs low, be careful. If we do make a little extra money on something, we're saving it. Where Cassie and I have always kind of had the mentality of like, Crowdsurf makes money, the money goes back into Crowdsurf. Like that, that's why we've succeeded and stayed in business as long as we had without capital. Because anything we make, you know, after everybody's kind of paid and the basis are taken care of, it goes into Crowdsurf. Is it, you know, we're paying for more training from exec, you know, people coming in and doing something with our staff? Are we, are we upgrading the computers or the desks or, um, or whatever, you know, but the, you know, are we getting better insurance plans, but the money always goes back into CrowdSurf. So for the first time, uh, the money is going back into CrowdSurf, but it's, it's sitting there <laughs> to go back into CrowdSurf when it's most needed, whether than, than just me saying, I think we need to get new chairs <laughs> or whatever that situation is. Not that we've sat in those chairs for a year. I will say I went in the office one day and a lot of our chairs that were white have now stained yellow from the sun. So that's fun. Very excited about that. Oh yeah. Great times. And there's a lot of dead bugs in the office. Ew. Like here's the deal. I don't recall very many times during like my life picking up dead bugs, but when there's no one around, how do all these bugs come in and die? I don't know. Or yeah. maybe like, maybe you just like you, you're sweeping them up and you, you don't like notice when there's only a couple, but when there's a lot you do, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess like if every day the maid that comes in to clean or like every week when the maid comes in to clean, she sweeps up two or three bugs, I guess they just collected. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of dead bugs. There's also, it's like you walk into the office. First of all, I will say we did not quarantine until the third week of March. However, it was a very busy time and there are still Valentine decorations up, even though that was five weeks before that. And then there are boxes piled high of Easter candy and spring decor. Cause I'm a big, I decorate stuff. I'm Martha Stewart. I got to put up little cute wreaths and stuff for the holidays. So all that's sitting there. And then I got sad because I went to, I have a storage unit that is like, it has some of my stuff in it. It has a lot of CrowdSurf stuff in it. And I went to get my personal Christmas tree and I saw like the CrowdSurf Christmas decorations and it made me really sad. So I was like, poor babies, you're not going to get used this year. So that was sad. But anyways, moving into 2021. So, you know, something we've told our staff is, dude, don't worry about ever being forced to go back to the office before you're comfortable. And so, you know, that will stand. I also think something we're kind of thinking about is, hey, everybody's like done their job and stayed in business and learned to work remotely. So I do think moving forward, we'll be more loose with kind of our in-office policies, which is cool for everyone. Yeah. I think, it, I think everyone sort of learned from this, like there's good things about working from home and there's good things about working in an office. And 
I see there being some sort of more hybrid situation in the future where like you go to the office for the things you need the office for, like to communicate with people, to be inspired by other people around you working, to make sure that you develop good relationships. But like, I think you use home or quiet space, wherever that is for you, wherever you focus to, you know, internal brainstorming, the actual work you need to do, answering emails, like that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I think that figuring out a hybrid is going to be something that we see a lot of companies do moving forward. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. But, you know, as far as 2021, as far as projects go, what are some projects in the company that we're excited about? Ooh, uh, I mean, I'm excited about a, a lot of different things. I would say, you know, I, I love um, my girl, Lauren Gray. I think she has a lot. Go- she's had a great year, like, you know, like fiscally and just like in her career in the last year. And if you're not familiar with Lauren, she's a female powerhouse. She does music. She has a jewelry line. She has a television show coming out. Like she's, she's just a, a, a Gen Z celebrity. She's 18 and she's killing it. And I just think she's going to continue to grow. I was like, man, if you're doing this during COVID, like, what are you going to do when we come out of it? So I'm really excited about her. We also just signed a new management project where we're going to be a management partner with um, a company called Fly South, working with this group called the Tramp Stamps. They're incredible. I'm so excited about this. I'm, I'm very excited about them too. They kind of they were the band I wish I had in high school and college that lived and I wish I would have like seen them on Warp Tour and could have like been their best friends. Uh, their music To me, is- like working with them, I feel like I'm living my like Josie and the Pussycats dream, except for like at an, like a almost R-rated or X-rated level. <laughs> yeah, definitely X-rated. Um, so I won't share anything about the music yet because it's not out and it won't be out when we post this, but it's regardless of if you like it or not, you will react to it. And that's yes. very exciting. But it is coming say. back, I guess, the end of this month. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to say any specific Okay, we don't want to say anything, but, but I mean, we're excited. We're, we're excited, excited but, but, you know, soon. It's soon. Soon, soon, so soon, I'm soon. Excited. But you can follow them now, Tramp Stamps. Yep. Find them, follow them. Yep. And I think something I'm excited about too is, speaking of Lauren, we just did our first kind of like internal public crowd surf seminar panel, whatever you want to call it via zoom. And it was, um, we discussed TikTok 101, like kind of the psychology, uh, behind the TikTok platform. And we had Lauren Gray as a guest. We had Curtis Roach as a guest, who is the guy who wrote, I'm bored in the house and I'm in the house board, which is amazing. I think I was so shocked because I hadn't talked to him before how much his talking voice sounds like his singing voice. And I was like, I know exactly like that voice. Um, and then Biddle and we had some of like our internal crowd surf team members and it was so fun. And I was like, I think we were both shocked at how many people RSVP'd and came and showed up and we got a lot of great feedback. So expect more of those coming. I think our goal is at least like once a quarter to do, you know, and not always about TikTok, about, about different things that we can just kind of put on panels and, and speak about. So yeah, it was really fun. And the audience was awesome. They asked amazing questions and they like, and we like retained them the whole time and they were there yeah. and they like started their own networking sheet in the Zoom chat and were sharing contact info with each other and like making friends. And I, I just, I just thought it was really cool and really smart people like getting the most out of the event. And I just, I was really happy that like that was the audience that showed up. It, it made me, it made me all like happy and smiley. <laughs> So I guess those are some of the things. I mean, we have a lot of things. We have a lot of clients. We have a lot of things coming up. 
Maybe the Backstreet Boys will make a Christmas album this year. That would be great. I don't know. I'm going to be vocal about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I think that we are very wisely going into the new year with the same mentality that we have kept and had throughout the hardest parts of 2020. You know, we're gonna, you know, now that we've kind of got a grasp on how to best use our time, we've actually gained, like Cassie said, a lot of great like business skills and tools, uh, you know, management tools over the past year that is just going to help make the team stronger and stronger. But yeah, I don't think 2021 is going to be too much different for the foreseeable future, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. But yeah, you know, when it happens, it happens. When I go to my first concert, probably going to get blackout drunk. (laughs) Okay. Because I'm not going to know how to control myself. I'm I saw, at a um, concert, you know. <laughs> I was at a I was at a restaurant in Hawaii because I went to Hawaii for a month and one I've always wanted to go to Hawaii for a month. So I was glad I finally like got to do that. But they're they don't have case like they have a hundred cases a day there, and most of them are in like at that time frame were like from a prison outbreak. So it, it, you know they're definitely very precautious because if if COVID takes over on an island, they're like they're screwed. They don't have hospitals the same way we do here, so everyone's super careful. But I was able to like kind of like live a little bit more of a normal life during that time. And I went to eat dinner one night and there was a person playing guitar and singing. And I was like, I like lost my mind. I was like, oh my (laughs) God. Oh my God, it's live music. Like I like, I like was so excited. And like normally I would have just like walked past it and not cared. Not that and he was great, he's very talented, but it was just like, I don't know. It was just a moment for me. I was like, oh my God, there's somebody singing and playing live and they're here and I can see them and I can take a picture of them. Like it was, I don't know. It was just, it was a moment for me. It could have been like the worst guitar player of all time. It could have been like me watching me play and I would have been excited. (laughs) And I'm not good. I, I, I can play like four chords and I'm a really bad singer. Well, I do know that Cassie excited. used to sit in our college department and play Let Her Cry by Hootie and the Blowfish all the damn time. Yeah, it's I a know really you know easy that. song to play on guitar. <laughs> so I, um, that I got to see one entertainment situation during COVID. It's- okay, well, I'm going to talk about the episodes coming up. I'm literally doing this off my memories. So I hope I'm correct. These episodes that we did a year ago. We have one with Josh Terry from Workshop Management, which honestly, I think may be my favorite episode of all time. He just, I just love the way he thinks and talks and, and looks at the world. And I think like, I think a lot of the things he has struggled with in his career, I very much relate to. And, and I've learned like, I, there's just a lot of great advice in there that I've taken to heart. Then we have... Kate Truscott from Kevin Lyman Productions, who is probably one of, one of, if not the most badass woman. Uh, I'd also say Amanda at Live Nation is also one of the most badass. So, but like they're friends. So it's funny, Amanda Moore, but yeah, Amanda, you need to do my podcast. I'm just saying, actually she calls in on the Kate podcast. That's funny. Anyways, that's coming up. That one's great. Her stories are like all very like warp tour driven, which was a big part of my life and a big part of, I know a lot of people's lives. Um, we have, who else? My mom, my mom did an episode, which is pretty funny. I will say after the episode, I was like, mom, I feel like you held back a little bit. And she's like, I didn't, I didn't want to be embarrassing to you. And I was like, oh, I kind of wish you had been, but my mom's in there. Who's like the nicest person ever. We also did one with Pete Stormer from vector management who does digital there and so that's a great episode as well and then 
The other one I remember is, oh, it's it's three independent female musicians from Nashville that I'm really excited for that episode as well. So those are the ones that I know are coming up. We're also, uh, Tracy Gershon has agreed to do an episode with us, which I have been waiting for since the inception of this podcast. So that's yeah. happening. I would love for that to happen. I, I'm, I'm happy. And I know Peter Strickland also agreed. He did. Yes. He, a- he didn't just agree. He asked. He asked. He did. He emailed our publicist and asked. So these are both people that are like to us Nashville music industry legends. And we like really looked up to as we were coming up in the industry. So that's great. But there'll be more. But this is season three. It's happening. We're doing it. I can't believe we're doing it. Like it's, it's here. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our 2020 update. Um, I hope you get some good advice from this. I hope that you have also found some silver linings in 2020. And I hope that you're still here and you're ready to listen to season three. So let's do it.